Hello, and welcome to Oddments, the audio program from the College of Curiosity. Now here's your host, Jeff Wag. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Oddments. I'm your host, Jeff Wag. And first, I have to apologize for the delay between episodes. I had a cold and did not have much of a voice. I hope you'll agree that it was worth the wait when you hear this next piece. What does this sound like to you? If you guessed a bowl of Rice Krispies, congratulations, you are correct! The sound of Rice Krispies has become a standard sound in our culture, such that if you hear something similar, you'll say, it sounds like Rice Krispies. Audio professionals call some types of static, like the sound of a dusty LP record, the Rice Krispies sound. Now imagine you're in a canoe, paddling through a mangrove swamp. Your paddle splashing through the water is the only thing that disturbs the eerie silence. And then you hear... Rice Krispies. What could be making that sound here? You scan the nearby branches for skittering lizards or crabs, and though you find some cleverly hidden crabs, you realize that the sound isn't coming from their direction. In fact, the sound isn't coming from any direction. It's coming from the canoe itself. Sailors have reported this phenomenon in all parts of the world, and if you're at sea, any unexplained noise is a cause for concern. Is this the sound of a slow leak? Is there something wrong with the mast or the engine? No, it's none of those. It's something much more astounding. We recorded this on Sanibel Island in the Ding Darling Wildlife Refuge with a hydrophone, a type of underwater microphone. What you're listening to is shrimp. Thousands of them. But not just any shrimp. These are pistol shrimp, and they're found throughout much of the world. One of their claws is much larger than the other, something like a Maine lobster. This two-inch-long crustacean can cock this claw back, just like a pistol, and fire a bubble at unsuspecting prey. And while that's pretty cool in itself, it's just the beginning of the story. This bubble is extremely powerful. How powerful can a shrimp be? Powerful enough to create a bubble that is momentarily hotter than the surface of the sun powerful enough that this bubble is so loud it actually produces light in a process known as sonoluminescence. It's also powerful enough to kill shrimp and small fish, which is what most interests the pistol shrimp. There are other shrimp with amazing abilities, including the colorful mantis shrimp. While it can't kill fish at a distance with a superheated bubble, it can smash through clamshells and also through quarter-inch thick glass. Many a researcher has found to her dismay that her cute little subject didn't take kindly to being cooped up in an aquarium. Fishermen have an apt name for this shrimp, the Thumb Splitter. But back to the pistol shrimp. When boaters hear the Rice Krispie sound, it's very hard to pinpoint its source. That's because the source is the boat itself. It's acting as a resonator and broadcasting the sound inside the hull. I can say from first-hand experience that this also happens in a canoe. These shrimp are very common, and it's estimated that they produce 20 to 30 percent of all the background noise underwater. This can be a problem for scientific research, as the sheer volume of the sound can interfere with hydrophonic recording. Even the Navy has to deal with them, as their sounds can mask military activity. So there you have it. 
If what I've said sounds unbelievable to you, visit the College of Curiosity website and look at the show notes. See for yourself just how jumbo a shrimp can really be. When Zeppelin LZ-129 exploded and burned in Lakehurst, New Jersey on May 6, 1937, reporter Herbert Morrison was on hand. He was there to report on the historic crossing of the Atlantic by this famous Zeppelin, and he described the tragedy in this famous recording. A back notice of the ship just holding it uh, just enough to keep it from... It's burst into flames. Get it started. Get it started. It's crazy. And it's crashing. It's crashing. Terrible. Oh, my. Get out of the way, please. It's burning, bursting into flames and, and it's falling on the morning fast. And all the folks between that this is terrible. This is one of the worst catastrophes in the world. Oh, it's... Of course, we're talking about the Hindenburg. Herbert's obvious emotion, high-pitched voice, and unfamiliar use of the word humanity are legend today. One popular poster features the Hindenburg replaced with a manatee, and the caption, Oh, the huge manatee, underneath. But it turns out that while Herbert Morrison said those words, he didn't actually say them quite as we've heard them. His sound man was suffering a technical difficulty, and the recorder was running about 3% too slow. This meant that when it was played back at normal speed, the pitch of his voice went up, giving us the impression that Morrison had a fast-paced, reedy commentary. Audio historian Michael Beale of Moorhead State University analyzed the tapes and helped produce this, a much more accurate representation of Herbert's voice that day. The back motors of the ship are just holding it uh, just enough to keep it from... It's burst in the flames. Get the shot. Get the shot. It's crashing. It's crashing. It's crashing. Terrible. Oh, my. Get out of the way, please. It's running and bursting into flames, and, and it's falling on the morning fast, and all the folks would believe that this is terrible. This is one of the worst catastrophes in the world. Oh, it's just the place is running. Oh, four or five hundred feet into the sky, and it, it's a terrific crash, ladies and gentlemen, the smoke and the flames now, and the famous crashing to the ground, not quite to the mooring mass of the humanity, and all the passengers feeding around I, I can't talk, ladies and gentlemen. So while we'll still be subject to oh the humanity jokes from time to time, know that Herbert Morrison was a greatly loved and respected reporter, one who was famous for his deep baritone voice. The puzzle last time was pretty simple. Name a common vegetable that is never cooked, canned, or frozen. The answer is lettuce. Lettuce, especially iceberg lettuce, contains so much water and such little else that it turns to mush when frozen or cooked, and canning requires cooking. For the puzzle this time, imagine that you're driving in your brand new smart car. You know the ones, very tiny cars that are handy for city parking and only have two doors. Now imagine you're driving in a snowstorm and you pass a city bus stuck in a snowbank. A mile down the road you pass the bus stop it was heading to and you see three people there. The first is your best friend. You really owe him one and you consider picking him up. But next to him is an old lady who has just collapsed in the snow. It looks like she's having a heart attack and she might die if she doesn't get help immediately. Just behind her is the date of your dreams. In fact, you know that this person is just as interested in you as you are in them, and you're dying to spend some time together. So what do you and your two-door smart car do? You can't call for help because the phone lines are jammed, and you can't fit everyone in your car. 
No other help is nearby. Yet there is a way that you can make everybody happy. If you think you know the answer, drop us a line at collegeofcuriosity.com or visit us on Facebook. It's been announced recently that the U.S. Postal Service will be eliminating Saturday delivery. With the advent of online bill paying, email, Skype, and all of the other internet-based technology we have, there's little need to invest in a stamp and wait a few days. This isn't the first time that a new technology has replaced an old one. We need only to think of smoke signals, the Pony Express, or the Telegraph to demonstrate that concept. But one method of transport that was invented in the 1800s is still in use today. It's a piece of a future that never was. It's called pneumatic mail. You may have seen this at the bank or the pharmacy. You press a button and a capsule comes out of a tube. You put your banking or prescription in the tube, press the button again, and it's whisked away with a sucking noise and drilling. The process is reversed to deliver your cash or drugs. But imagine having such a system in your house. At one time, you could have. The cities of London, Boston, New York, Philadelphia, Chicago, and St. Louis all had pneumatic tube networks connecting various parts of the city. The system in London was perhaps the most sophisticated, as it contained rotary switches that allowed house-to-house -house delivery of mail and other papers. There were two basic ways this worked, both of them using pressure. Either compressed air was released behind the capsule, pushing it forward, or a gentle suction was placed at the receiving end, drawing the message closer. Speeds of up to 35 miles an hour were possible, and while that's considerably slower than the telegraph, you could receive the actual note that was sent, possibly with a dab of perfume if your correspondent was courting you. Eventually the cost of these systems made them obsolete. Water would leak into underground tubes, and the size of the tube was limited by other pre-existing utilities. Still, we can imagine what the world would be like had this technology been as ubiquitous as the telephone. It's the eve of one of our field trips, and this one takes us to South America, where we'll be exploring the Galapagos and then heading deep into the Amazon. We'll be recording a lot of new material while we're there, and we're hoping to catch some more underwater sounds, as we'll be swimming with sea lions, sharks, penguins, and piranhas. Some of these sounds could be quite interesting. <coughs> Music for this episode was composed by Trent Brusky of Dropfox. Dropfox is a project wherein podcasts such as this one can have high-quality music, license-free, and we thank Trent for his hard work. You can find out more at dropfoxsound.org. Thank you for listening to Oddmoots, a production from the College of Curiosity. Contact us with any corrections or questions at collegeofcuriosity.com. And remember... Vampires aren't only bats. In the Galapagos, there's a species of finch that feeds on the blood of larger birds. 